This is Kat. And this is Russell. Welcome to Critical Whimsy. Yeah. And so we didn't release an episode this week. No. Recorded it, didn't get to release it. Guys, it was probably the um, what's in the box episode of all time in that it was the greatest episode and we'll never hear it again, probably. No. Unless Russell can somehow get hold of it when he does a SIM swap. I'll get my new phone, yeah, and get the cloud downloaded again. Sorry, guys, you must remember that we're very young but old people, so sometimes technology in us uh, doesn't work out. So what happened was, Russ, do you want to tell our friends? We're going to tell you briefly because we actually have people who were with us Mm. who experienced it beyond the in the next few episodes and i actually want to kind of do a thing with them so yeah. we'll go into more detail so just like a brief thing today because yeah i think that yeah they'll want to talk about it a lot more yeah. so yeah we recorded it sounded like a really nice episode that we and then we went to a bar that evening as is our usual mm-hmm. after a good recording thing and yeah there was an armed robbery they took all of our phones so uh, you asked for brief. That's uh, that's brief. perfect. No, and that's all we are going to really say. In that everyone's okay, and uh, yeah, it was a lot. But I think that driving home that night, I realized our podcast, our episode, and then one of the people who were with us who listens to the podcast was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so that was so great. Um, so thank you to that person. If you are the only person who was listening, what's up? Hey hey. Hey Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, uh, new week. How was your week? Uh, been pretty good. Been mm-hmm. quite busy. but Daddy's moving in. Mm-hmm. So, trying to get the house all ready and sorted. So, it's going to be two bachelors, uh, two men and a baby, uh, Claire Gain, yes. <laughs> the dog. Or two men and a cat and a dog. And a goldfish. Ozzy the goldfish. Oh, sorry, G- Gacy's the, 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 the goldfish. The homicidal goldfish. Yeah, and Ozzy is the cat who is not into people, which is like us. So he mm. works well. <laughs> so, Russell, do you want to introduce our topic for the week? Okay, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about inadequacy in its various forms and manifestations. When I, when I kind of suggested it to you, you kind of immediately went, yes. Mm. What was it that kind of made you connect with it so quickly because sometimes we have a bit of a back and forth and we, we we kind of explore the topic more until we get it into a more of a working form or we have to speak but this time you were like in yeah just a previous relationship was all for a large part of it was just uh, her trying to engender feelings of inadequacy in me how do you do that to someone like you constantly tell them that what they've done isn't good enough that they're not doing enough um is that like just your basic like hey baby how are you here's your coffee okay you didn't make the coffee right you didn't or is it you not doing things in the time that design that they would appreciate what is it um a bit of both of those and it's like cool once i got in the new job and working all very hard and that and it's I wasn't cooking enough meals, I wasn't doing enough, and like clocking 10, 11 hour days and then coming home and being expected to cook all the time. Not the easiest. So, uh, lots of things like that. Uh, you're fucking up, you're just not doing enough, you're not involved enough, and then when you do do something, no, it's not right, it's 
you messed up, just wasn't good enough. So I'm interested in this from two hmm. sides. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell my kind of an example of what you've gone through is also very similarly in relationships. But even in Tinder, you know, I always I always read Russell my Tinder latest messages. Mm-hmm. And we, um, always entertaining. And always a bit of a <coughs> insert depressing sound emoticon uh, for your benefit, friends. And... Uh, and I generally, a lot of times, I get these 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 comments from men, you know, on Tinder going, oh, you think too much, mm. or you're too cautious, or I think you're too critical. And that kind of makes me feel inadequate in the beginning stages of a courtship, because I'm saying, okay, I think we might not have a, um, a connection, or I think we might not have a compatibility. And they're saying oh, well, actually, I think the problem is you. Mm. And it's just always kind of gets me. I have to shake it off. I have to evaluate it with Russ. And then I feel better. And then also in relationships, I've had people make me feel inadequate. And I had a housemate actually once where I, okay, so for many, many years, I live, I mean, I've lived by myself or in communes or whatever for a thousand years since I was 18. And I was never big on cooking because I, I think at I, it wasn't something I was that was focused on in my upbringing that I should learn how to cook so everything I learned I learned through watching people in communes or adverts and then eventually my cell phone but I would kind of uh, I, I, I kind of for a long time I thought I couldn't cook I didn't realize that cooking is pretty simple and the one night I made chicken stew or something that I was quite proud of mm. and I one of my housemates said it looks like snot and then kind of did the lift the fork and then let it dribble off and then my other housemate was watching my face <laughs> and very nervously going because mm, mm. <laughs> he knew me better than that other housemate who thought it was a nice time to make me feel shitty and inadequate about my cooking, which I knew wasn't great. I knew I was it wasn't great. And at the time, I would have learned a lot from that housemate who could cook. She was a great cook. She had amazing um, ideas. Uh, but instead, she kind of chose to make me feel shitty. I really, I had a rule that if any of my boyfriends or any of my friends ever criticized my cooking, and unfortunately, I still have that rule. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a silly thing because sometimes people could, could actually give you constructive criticism. But um, I think most people just go for the kill uh i kind of go okay cool if you criticize this i won't do it for you again i'm yeah. very i'm very firm about it i won't waste my time doing something that i don't aspire to being or doing well and that's kind of was my um, modus operandus for many years and then in the last year or so i've actually really gotten into stuff and russell and i because we're like an old married couple, we discuss what we eat every night. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we actually now we support each other and we exchange um, ideas. And I think that if Russell ever did criticize my cooking, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm getting something from this. I actually trust his cooking. I think he's a better cook than me. So oh, that would be cool. And he's always really gracious about whatever slop I throw in front of him. There's no mention of snot looking or vomit tasting so i appreciate that thank you russell um and then i've also had relationships where the guy in my in my mind they actually gaslit me Hmm. they're actually like bringing me down 
uh, you didn't do that right or the worst, the worst thing you can do to a partner in an, an adequacy game is to say, yeah, the last girl I slept with was so much better than you or the things you should never say, my ex hmm. was uh, more into this than you are. Things like that really trigger the inadequacy. Why are you laughing? This is like raw shit, man. Yeah. No, no, it just um, it's got overtones to some of the conversations we have been having of late. Oh, <laughs> yes. No, but I mean, I think that there's a difference between having a quiet bitch with your friends about love gone bad or kind of having a awful i mean sometimes sex is just awful and you kind of like tell people and you're like well <laughs> and this is not the episode unfortunately gentle no. jury where we discuss like our worst sex capades no. uh, russell's dad will not ever listen point. to this only when he writes signs a contract agreeing to never listen um <laughs> and also any of my like older family members liable to cause yeah guys please yeah please because then when once russell and i um uh, open that can, then then, <laughs> then it's, it's going to be a great episode. But we're not. But yeah, there's a difference between saying to someone like, "The sex isn't great," or you know, "My partner's disappointing me." Having a conversation, or even speaking to someone professional, hmm. because sometimes it's about yourself, versus saying to someone that you're with, who's naked or whatever, and saying, "You know, you're shitty at this." Yeah. You know, definite difference between conversations with a friend and trying to engender feelings of inadequacy in the person. Yeah, and I think that I have felt inadequate for most of my life. Boom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you? Not always, but uh, particularly of late, definitely. Really? But, um, even even like now, like in your life? I'm working on it and getting better, getting over it. Mm. But uh, still areas where I feel quite inadequate. Yeah, the PTSD of life. Mm -hmm. So this is actually what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to explain my thing first, and then I wanted to ask you this question. What do you think makes someone make someone inadequ feel inadequate? And what does inadequacy feel like, taste like, is like for you? So it's two questions. Okay. Big questions. So what makes someone make someone feel inadequate? <laughs> I love this line. Mm. Uh, it works. Uh, I think that there are various reasons that that could happen. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with your own personal feelings of inadequacy and trying to build yourself up by knocking someone else down. It's, that's on the level of control and manipulation and keeping the person around, making yourself feel a little bit better and a bit more important. And also just, in my case, making the person take on more and more and it's a definite manner of or mechanism of control. Do you think the person's aware of how ugly it looks? I don't think so. It's such a good answer. The whole thing was such a good answer. And then Thank inadequacy? Inadequacy, what it feels like and all. Very dark and depressing. Uh, you force yourself to give more and more and try more and more. And it ends up being very exhausting and you spiral down into this. Of uh, you feel you can't do it, you feel you're worthless. But, uh, you're trying so hard, and it just nothing ever is right, nothing ever gets there. It's a very dark and depressing place to be in. Yeah, you just explained it really well. 
it's such a... Um, Thank you for making me feel adequate. <laughs> Much appreciated. Oh, that's what we do. That's what we do uh, to each other and hopefully to you guys. You know, for me, inadequacy, making someone feel inadequate is a form of bullying. And mm. that's not a bomb drop, drop guys, <laughs> uh, after you've just explained it <laughs> very well. Without using that term, but yeah, it's a good term. But, but to make someone feel inadequate is to bully them. Uh, I have I have this ridiculously shameful inadequacy story, which I've carried my whole life for about 10 years. Uh, when I first had a big breakup with a partner I really liked, I had a colleague who'd also just gone through a big breakup and her reaction was, and it was, you know, we, we were young, I didn't have a Russell yet, was no, let's not just feel this and feel pain. It was, we have to go out and dance and like find new boyfriends immediately. And I was just, all right, ignoring my crushing depression and mm. how I wasn't okay. And I would go out with this girl and very soon, I realized why I had tried so hard not to be friends with her at school, which was because she was the kind of girl who you, who bullies girls around her to make herself feel prettier, to make herself feel thinner. And I actually got to a point one evening where we're in a club and she's asked me to hold her handbag mm. while she goes and dances. And that is, I, and I think it's maybe a woman thing. I don't know if guys experience this, but if you have experience, if you've had a girl basically make you the, the, the what butler. Is, the word is the, there's a word that yeah, someone else is screaming as they listen to it, the duff. The duff is the D-U-F-F-F. -F. Um, it's the ugly, it's the, the duff is the ugly friend. Okay. It's it's an American phrase. Um, it's the it's the ugly friend to the hotter friends. There's always one person in a group, the duff. It's the it's the weak link. It's the handbag holder. It's the it's the um, condom carrier for the buds. The the beer holder. And I was made to feel like the duff. Okay. And uh, it was really awful. And you know what? I actually, luckily enough, I was like, actually, you're not a very nice person. <laughs> you know, I don't really, and I also hate clubs. And also, I hate your fucking handbag. And this is not even me. And I'm going to go home and now melt down into depression about my breakup and my failed life. And peace. And that was it for me. And I promise you, though, to, to this day, I carry feelings of inadequacy of being like the ugly girl in a group. And it's quite a powerful thing. And I am a person who tries so hard, so hard to be really supportive to women, like to their faces. If I have issues with them, I, I you know, depending on like the friendship level, whatever, I might like have a little conversation with Russell about that. It's what you do with best friends, guys. But, but most of the time I try to be really kind and I try to lift up women and I never want them to feel like I'm comparing us, even if I am or whatever, because I know how inadequate you can feel. And I can do that all on my own. Tell me about some of the inadequacies you still have in your life. Okay. Um, some of the inadequacies are managing to maintain the household on my own. Uh, a lot of it, I feel so bad and so incapable of doing stuff that I then don't land up doing it, and I just sort of spirals. 
And I mean, you've seen of late the mammoth effort I've gone through managing to get things sorted. And I have two questions for you on that. Yes. Ask away. So one, you've put yourself under a huge amount of pressure to make your house look amazing. Obviously because your house is proud, but also because dad is moving in. Mm. One, you, you weren't brought in a taught these things. Oh, I was. Uh, well, no, I wasn't taught these things. No, you weren't taught these things. You also were in a relationship where um, your ex would kind of find people, even the tenant, to do the cleaning or whatever. Um, it was never your role. And then all of a sudden you now have to take care of this house. Why don't you ever get in help? Um, I do occasionally when I can afford it. Okay, and why don't you ever ask me to help also? Because I do offer. And you know me, I'm quite... Yeah, I feel bad getting my friends in to do that. I know, but it's quite a lot. Particularly it's a big house. With the ex, I've witnessed um, just how she used and abused people and got them to do everything for her, me I, included, and I try to avoid that. Me included. <laughs> no, and I, and I, do, I, I do appreciate that you recognise that. I do appreciate that, like... You see that because I saw that and it did actually occur to me the other day. Uh, she, uh, you kind of glamorize cleaning a fridge or whatever or doing things at home that like, you know, the people who own the home should do instead of getting people to sacrifice their Sundays for that. Mm. And then, but at the same time, I mean, if you can't like say, get someone in to help, I can help. You know, if I'm offering, I think it's different. Yeah, yeah, I think that is. I mean, I'm quite a um, hoarder of books. And I live in a space with no shelves whatsoever. You have a very impressive library. <laughs> I do. It's amazing. Thank you. I actually need to buy new books this week. <laughs> it's a disease. <laughs> I mean, and I get really frustrated because... Even though I'm not a minimalistic person and will never be a minimalistic person, I still sometimes want that 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 effect, you know? Mm. So I actually can relate to what you're going through. And your place is massive. I mean, the yard work, the garage. When you mentioned you had to clean the garage out. I mean, guys, this might be quite boring now. We'll get off of this topic <laughs> quite soon. We're not going to just discuss the housework. <laughs> the housework. We discuss it every day anyway. Um you know, like the garage, when you said, okay, I still need to clean the garage. I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to take ages. You were like, yes, <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. So it's it's a lot of work. And I know, I mean, I've got a very, very strict um, cleaning schedule. Yeah. So Thursday and Sunday mornings. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> I I know it's, it's sheet changing day and everything gets washed. And so I throw everything into the laundry. And then why I do that, I vacuum. And then I wipe all my shelves off. And I clean my toilet and my basin. And that's it. And then I mop my floors after I vacuum the floors. And that's like my rule. That's my maintenance. And then I wash dishes every day. And sometimes I want to scream like this morning when I was dying to get here and do the pod and have a day. that I was like, no, no, you have to. So I'm very, but that's taken ages because I, I always had cleaning help. And it was only when I moved into my place now that I started cleaning and I kind of struggled financially to get someone in. My place is very small, so I felt like I couldn't justify it uh, at the price that I would want to pay someone. So it became a bit of a, 
a thing for me, but it took me ages. And I actually spent time Googling how to clean my house uh, because I wasn't sure if I was even doing it right because I also wasn't taught how to. So so that's really nice. Inadequacy and like keeping your house clean. Like I love that. That's like a really simple, useful one, kids. <laughs> and other inadequacies. Other inadequacies. Um, I'm currently looking for work and just not having any luck and going on and on and beginning to feel inadequate about managing, about whether I can deal with it, whether I can get a job, if I'll cope with it once I get the job. That's definitely a big one that's building up again. Well, We've had discussions about this privately, you and me. Yeah. But, I mean, you know what? Like, the, actually, the, the best quote I got was when, a quote... Uh, listen to me I read so much I talk about pe- what people say as quotes <laughs> now I'm quoting a friend of ours about two months ago I think we were at a bar <laughs> and um, I said to the friend at the time I wasn't working at all and I said to the friend I'm not working and I was quite embarrassed and then his reaction was actually the best he was like yeah it's COVID man mm. chill out like we're not nobody's working <laughs> like you know just do you do Fair you point. and it was like such a genuine it wasn't like sanctimonious it wasn't insincere it was so like factual and like we've just had a friend move to cape town to two friends which we've spoken about many times on the pod and um you know uh my friend's partner can't find work there and i think we all thought it would be easier like i left a job in january i didn't like i started another one didn't work out i didn't like it i left that And then thought that I'd immediately be employed. And I mean, this job that I'm currently doing took two months of like paperwork and everything to even get. And I didn't even think I wanted it or anything. Now I'm like, cool with it. And like our friend who went down there, we thought he would be fine. And we thought the company that our friend was working for would provide him a job. He's still unemployed. They're like struggling. Last week, I spoke to uh, my friend on, um, we, we had a WhatsApp call about the robbery and everything. And uh, she said, yeah, I said, what are you doing for Easter? And she said, you know, we're eating cereal. And it was like shitty. Like, I think that you, like, I do think that people like us do need to take into consideration our energy and being able to deal with the job and that working for ourselves is ultimately better. And working part time or working shorter hours may be more realistic and then eventually after a while being able to add on to those loads because I've been thinking on of taking on more clients and I'm very cautious to do so because I mean you saw me the first week of this new job I was like wiped out mm. I was a wreck so just just take it all into consideration the most important thing is like being you listen to me I sound like I'm counseling you I'm not counseling <laughs> you I'm like defending you to you I guess I'm saying it's not something you should feel inadequate about you even got an interview on COVID that's so impressive we also live in a country where there's no jobs you know especially for people like us who are more artistically minded Hmm. no yeah no it's quite the battle well thank you well said I mean you know you can always like sacrifice your integrity and your soul and do a job but you'll probably like burn out or you'll probably go crazy or you'll end up quitting. So what's the point yeah. of that? You know, Burnouts to be avoided. I'll end up in a psych ward again. Yeah. And you know, you'd rather have a year of like being clean of um, psych wards <laughs> and yeah. like being focused. And I mean, 
like a week ago and you didn't hear this because you guys didn't hear the amazing what's in the box episode but i mean we 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 ate like kings on um easter we always make a plan and i think that's also learning um to be reliable self-reliant and realistic and also resourceful mm. without work is actually sometimes a very important thing to have as opposed to just obediently going to a job every day does that make sense i think so yeah I like so. i mean you now eat like so much vegetarian because you chose to like cut up meat mostly because it's more expensive like mm. that's amazing that's so resourceful you weren't like oh i'm a south african man i have to eat borovos every day you were like actually let me try something new that costs 20 bucks for two weeks of cooking yeah it's also uh, developing more moral issues with it exactly with the whole meat and the food industry and that uh, oh my gosh heading the dangerous vegan route but i'm not there yet not sure that i ever will be I, again i watched I a did video. it once for a month <laughs> it was a vastly overrated experience so painful you know when we were teenagers there was this song called unpretty by tlc so i don't want us to get a copyright issue but I'll sing a line. <laughs> um, I wish I could tie you up in my shoes, make you feel I'm pretty. I used to think I was beautiful, just a little bit skinny. What is it da, 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 to keep you happy? And then it ends with, think I'm going to get rid of you and then I'll get back to me. That actually rings a very It was a great song. song. And that was like the first song, I think, apart from Pink's, a few, a few, Pink was trying out some self-esteem songs, like her song about, um, like not being Britney Spears and, um, I'm a, I'm a have it to myself or something. Sorry guys, <laughs> this is not a singing podcast. Um, uh, but like the, the TLC released I'm Pretty and it was like such a big song. Yes, you're thinking no scraps and yes we will be doing that episode <laughs> but uh, uh, this this one it kind of the whole time I was thinking about inadequacy I was thinking about that song and I was thinking I was singing it in my head and I was thinking oh being unpretty mm. unpretty and I think that for girls like aesthetics are so important in the inadequacy and adequacy game um, and I think like a lot of women you it's just not enough to look in the mirror and go I look pretty like every day we don't look in the mirror and we go I look pretty I mean some people do affirmation people but when you're with someone and you're dating them especially if you're in the honeymoon phase every single day that person messages you and goes hey pretty hey beautiful hey handsome hey sexy like hey snuggle <laughs> whatever whatever you say whatever your party mixes and you get this huge affirmation i think from this verbal cue of everyday hearing or being messaged mm. i'm pretty you're pretty so yeah so when you're in a relationship you you have someone telling you every single day and it depends what your what your drug is for me it's being told i'm pretty for me it's being told i'm beautiful and then the relationship ends and there's no more there's no more affirmation there's yeah. no more recognition and i don't say to myself every single day you're so pretty you're so lovely funnily enough i might tell myself you're quite funny 
I quite enjoy my jokes. Mm. <laughs> um, so do I. Thank you. And I'm sure you also enjoy it. We're both quite confident in our humor. And actually so confident that when you send me a message and it's a, it's a meme or something and I go, no. You're like, you shrug it off. You're not like, oh, no, nah, I feel inadequately mm-hmm. non-funny. You're just like, no. <laughs> Catherine has no sense of humor today. <laughs> I want to be a comedian. I've got to accept that people won't always find what I do funny. And I, I just take my humor like very seriously. So I take your, your attempts at it also very seriously. So, um, and then I'm also not, I don't care, and maybe I should, but I don't care so much about my intelligence. Like someone saying to me every day, I'm smart. Maybe it's because I read books every day. So, so I have that kind of a thing where I'm okay, but the pretty stuff being told I'm thin, I should tell myself I'm thin every day. I wonder what that would do to me instead of going, you're like so fat every day. Um, <laughs> this apple cider vinegar is not working. <laughs> you are not slimming down. Um, I don't know if that would help. I mean, these inadequacies and then we start to, and I think that that's kind of what I wanted to get back. Like, where did your inadequacy start? Because for me, inadequacy started when I wasn't, in, I was little, I was not good enough. Maybe it starts off with, and maybe that's why uh, recent schooling is not giving people a percentage or a, a symbol, just a, a, a dot or three dots. <laughs> you know, people, teachers, um, education is always trying to recreate how to make kids not feel so bad and inadequate. Because for me, it started in school, not being good enough. And I want to actually get um, onto other people's issues with inadequacy. But like for you, where did it start? Do you have an example? Oh, I think it depends on the inadequacies, but um, school certainly was a big one. Uh, a lot of it with the marks and that. And it's, I learned it up with um, some teachers that I didn't like, so I stopped putting in any effort in their class and I just kind of had a global deterioration where I stopped putting effort into other classes and dropped down. And it's this sort of self-fulfilling cycle. They started making you feel bad. You carry on going, make yourself feel bad. And very inadequate along that sort of line. Uh, it's definitely a big one. Yeah, I think school was a big one for me as well. Uh, so at my school, a lot of people, well, one of my schools where I felt really inadequate was that it was quite a nice school and all the parents did everyone's homework for them. Mm-hmm. That included home ec, and I was quite crap at knitting. Everyone was quite crap at knitting. We were little, but they would go home and their moms would knit up these amazing things and present them. And the teacher would just accept it. Yeah. And then I I got shouted at publicly. So there's also an inadequacy, so public humiliation. Yeah, the bullying. Yeah. So where I got shouted at and said, look at these people they've made dollies, they've made teddy bears, they've made elephants, and Catherine. You've been working for six weeks and you have made half a duck and then held up this very, very grubby white wool. And everyone laughed and I had tears in my eyes and it was horrible. Mm. And, um, and it was like such a thing, you know, what do you do? Because this is actually such a disingenuous way to be better than me. Uh, your parents are going to take care of you in these situations. So I suppose the, the answer here with my case is like get thicker skin. And then, I mean, in my family, I actually, I mentioned this to you when I got here. It was a really tough one for me. It was actually what kind of triggered me to go, let's, let's do an adequacy is that 
one of my, 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 my very, very beautiful, very successful cousins is getting married. Mm. And she got married, actually. Yeah, you said two yeah. weeks ago. No, no, yesterday. Oh, um, yesterday. And she's beautiful and she's gone through so much. And I really do wish her happiness. But at the moment where I saw she'd gotten married on social media, I felt this huge rush of inadequacy. And it was such a terrible feeling, especially when it's directed at someone that I adore. Like feeling inadequate to your friends and to people you love is sometimes even worse, especially when they actually don't care what you're doing that Friday night and not sitting on social media. So they're having a honeymoon, you know, and then I feel like a massive creep, that inadequacy. And then that inadequacy, I think, comes from like childhood and like the fact that maybe in my family, people were compared a lot. And then all of a sudden I was back in a place where I was comparing myself to my cousin. And then I said to you, but I love my life right now. I love like our friendship group. I love what we do. I love doing a podcast. And then that kind of can suck me down a bad wormhole. And then I'm back. I'm okay. And I'm, I, I, I process it, but it's like, I become very sharply aware that this is not a true feeling, but it's a horrible feeling. Did you have things like that? Oh, and I want to ask you something. With guys yeah. in high school dating, did mm. you date? Um, no, I never really managed during high school. Well, at least not the early parts. The latter part, yeah, I did manage. So so guys who dated like hot chicks and stuff. First of all, it was the guy who could date. Mm. And then it was like the quality of chick, right? So that was a big thing with like um, in grade five, there was a girl who had boyfriends and she dated all the hot boys in the grade. She was amazing. She was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she was just power. And she could date, like, all the guys. And, like, I felt so inadequate because I realized, like, then there's something that I don't have that she has. And that really freaked me out. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes some people able to not have inadequacies in grade five and be able to date? I mean, maybe there's issues. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not really sure on the answer to that one. And then dating in high school, how did you find it? Did you feel yourself that you were less inadequate whenever you dated? Oof, no, high school dates were horrendous, stressful events. Okay, yeah. tell me about Russell dating in high school. I love, I think we all want to hear about Russell <laughs> in high school. Let's vote, let's like flashback, flashback. Uh, I still don't think I can sing on the podcast, but I want to sing... Don't you forget about me. <laughs> we're flashing back to the Breakfast Club. Okay, you weren't you were actually a kid then, or not even born. But like in my mind we flash back. I so like um that song is played by Simple Mind. Uh, okay, now you're a high school wrestler and you're dating. Like what does dating look like? It was well, as I said, very stressful, but a, a very stereotypical thing of let's go to a movie and stuff like that. You know, there's not much creativity. What movies did you go on? In dates in high school. <laughs> I don't care if I'm changing the to- the topic. I want to know all about live dates. <laughs> oh, wow, that I'm not sure about. Um, thinking, thinking. Um, I saw 10 things I hate about you in center stage. I think I a lot some- of the ones I watched were the typical rom-coms and that. <laughs> and Ugh, they we- were awful. Such a bad movie genre. Do you not remember the movies? No, because on the successful date, she won't pay much attention to the movie itself. Did you do the make-out in the movie house? Mm-hmm. Me too. I used to watch movies twice, once with the boy and once 
with uh, the friends. I'll, I'll tell you two movies, though, that I missed out on and I saw on the big screen and I'll never forgive myself. And this is why, kids, please don't listen to our podcast. But if you are, don't make out in movies because actually you might be seeing something iconic at the cinema for the first time. So if you're a teenager in, in COVID times, you might not be. Who knows? Uh, so one of them was The Matrix. Mm. I made out through The Matrix. And the second one was Fight Club. Which is one of my favorite oh, movies. No. I know, I know, I know. I feel so inadequate. <laughs> what is the cure for inadequacy? Lots of self-work. Uh, analyze it, see where it's coming. Try see where it's coming from. Try work out what you can do about it. And it's small steps. A little bit of time and we'll slowly get there, slowly beat it. I know that's not a very good answer. No, it is. Sorry, my phone was going off and I was, I forgot to put it on a silent. <laughs> so I was just, and my pain look was in results of that. Okay, so for me, it's also like having people in your life mm. that are actually good for your self-worth. So, for instance, like you, when I have like these moments, like, like inadequate moments, like I talk to you and I hope you can talk to me, like, Oh, certainly do. Yeah, because then it's like a cool conversation where you realize actually this person is aware of my house cleaning issues and my failed attempts at relationships in my case. And like they still like me. It's it's I think that's the important thing is that we take that inadequate moment of I can't vacuum nicely, like my mother did or something, or I, I can't get like this guy to like me. And we take that, we internalize it, and then we're inadequate in every area of our lives. And then our podcast doesn't work. We die alone on the street, you know, because we just escalated one thing of inadequacy. If you're with someone who makes you feel inadequate, that also like has a, has a like tendency to snowball into yeah. something so big. Um, I wanted to talk about... All areas of your life exactly. tends to take over. So I wanted to talk about one kind of like thing that's come up in the news regarding inadequacy, mm. uh, just kind of as our final uh, tribute to inadequacy, which is such a great topic because uh, we actually have to film another podcast. We've got a guest, guys. So now, you know, sometimes we do two in one day because mm. we are greedy uh, and also because our phones got stolen. So... Um, apparently, the Republicans in America are... Are trying to ban trans students, particularly female trans students, from participating in sports. And that is, of course, causing huge feelings of inadequacy. I'm not female enough. I'm not small enough. I'm not able to participate in school sports as a trans female. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Russ? Uh, Seti seems to be um, one of the Big issues where America's fucking up badly these days. I think it's complete and utter bullshit. Uh, so someone's good at a sport, so they can't be allowed to participate. That's absolutely ridiculous. Also, it's school sport, right? How yeah, it's many, not meant to be taken all that seriously. How many people in your grade, in your school, actually went on to be Olympians? I think a total of zero. Exactly. It's school sport. Yet when you're in school, in high school in particular, it's made into this do or die thing. Mm. And I mean, Aaron, uh, like I'm going to die for this 
this trophy and it's not even real and your kid is not going to be if you're a parent your kid is not going to be the next <laughs> hopefully Oscar Pistorius <laughs> hopefully not but I mean at, at my school the, the guys on the rugby team and the top rugby you know the A team and that they were the cool guys they were the ones that had it all it seemed like and yet they um were exactly the same as us and they did not go on to continue. I mean, let's be honest. No. Yet your thirties, the last thing you want to do is play rugby. <laughs> That's when I was in high school, the last thing I wanted to do was play rugby. But you know, I've started to try run. Hmm. So I read this article on the internet, like that if you've never run, you should try to start by doing like 30 seconds. So for 30 seconds, I run around my very small house and I'm like, oh, done my run for the day. <laughs> I think I'm being like, I think I'm being quite, I think I'm the laziest exerciser of all time. But I mean, that's so traumatic. Mm. Uh, this is also related to my inadequacies of not being thin enough, even though that's insane. Um, totally. Like, you know, like, but this is just inadequacy and the madness it drives us to. But I know a lot of people, because whatever, whenever I meet a young male, a young male, that sounds strange and mildly predatory. Um, a guy in their like twenties who is unemployed, I always say, Ooh, go coach sport. And generally their reaction is, Oh no, my bones, uh, my knee, I wouldn't be able to play cricket or rugby and <laughs> we'll coach it. I will die. So, I mean, that's how they feel in their twenties, let alone their thirties. So it's this brief period in your life where you can just let kids like run or, do whatever sport it is they want to be in. And I think it's very unkind to just be so, um, and so absolute as if every single trans girl is going to be, you know, six foot tall or whatever. Like as if, as if we were so lucky that all men were like six foot four, like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. It's just the expectation. Not the expectations. It's, the stereotype, I guess. Yeah, it's this fear. I mean, and it's just high school. And generally, and I just think that it's almost like America's so privileged mm. that they're making up things to be stressed out about. I mean, are you serious? That's just my opinion on that. Yeah. So inadequacy. It's just to kind of sum it up now. People can cause inadequacy. Those mm -hmm. people are villains and bullies. Definitely. Don't listen to them. Even if they are your parent. Even if they are your cat. Okay, if they're your cat, they mean... They, they probably know better than you do, so... Alright. And then, like, it also takes a lot longer, I think, to get over an adequacy that someone deliberately puts on you than it is to kind of deal with your own issues of self-worth. If that makes sense. Yeah, if it's caused by yourself, it's not easier to figure out and to cut out uh, the negative automatic thoughts around that. Uh, the stuff that other people put on you can be a lot more insidious and pervasive. Exactly. And then it's like you're trying to work through that through like meditation. Then all of a sudden you're having like a flashback to some other traumatic thing and then a fight you had with them. And then you're like spiraling. And then you forget. Yeah, it all snowballs. Cool. Uh, what is one thing you've worked through that you felt inadequate about at some point in your life that you're now okay with? My appearance. Mm. The way I look. Explain. Um. 
So Russell's actually quite good looking. So I'm quite interested in how, how good looking people deal with this suffering. <laughs> I don't know that I'm good looking. I'm all right. Uh, I don't think I'm particularly ugly. I don't think I'm particularly handsome. What did you used to feel? What was the inadequacy? Uh, that I was horrendously ugly. Um, I've always had my own sort of sense of style and that I think uh, you've certainly seen some of that. Mm. Um, and for a large part of it, I, a large part of my life, I suppressed a lot of that. I didn't wear the stuff I wanted to because it just wouldn't have been accepted. It's just not the way I should have looked or anything. And I've slowly managed to get over that and go, oh, I like this, I'm going to wear it. Um, so I've become a lot more comfortable with my own appearance and how I present myself to people. It's so interesting that you say that because that girl who made me go to clubs with her, mm. she, for a while, was dressing me and was dressing me in these, like, like I actually saw your jaw twitch. You're like, this is like a very cool person. This is a villain. She was. Um, and wearing the most awful, like, uh, what is the word, perky, swatty, um, Sorry, like, oh, nerdy, um, like, kind of, like, very jockey looks, mm. like, collared shirts, like, little cute shirts, and, like, fashion, and, like, kind of trying to get me to do that. Now, I look very strange. In very fashionable things like if there's a fashion i look really awkward in it and you know me i'm quite comfortable in my skin and i've got a style and a look and it changes constantly as well i think you and i have that in, like i'm not as wild as you but in my own little subtle way i do my own little thing it's never definitely it's, yeah it's never like fashionable though she was making me dress up in a fashionable way and it was so depressing because I just would sit there like pulling my shirt, like feeling like an absolute twit. And I actually once had a boss say to me, you dress like a teenager. Mm. And this was like a culmination of years of dressing like everyone else. She was just trying to be mean. And I was just so confused about how I should look. And then like when I dated this one guy, he used to tell me, don't wear jeans. You look terrible in jeans. And you know, I still struggle to wear jeans. Like all these people have created such senses of inadequacy regarding clothing. Yet when I'm just me and I just wear what I wear, most people don't find any problem with how I dress. No. And it's amazing how these people hurt you with their unhelpful advice. And it can become quite ingrained. Yeah, and I think it is still a little bit for me. Mm. But most of the time... I mean, guys, you've heard how I got over, like, bad skin. You've heard how, and I think Russell understands me so well, like, how much I've worked to kind of overcome these things. And the clothing thing w took a while. I still struggle to wear jeans. You never see me wearing jeans. Yeah. Which you now only notice because you're like, actually, Catherine doesn't wear jeans. And that's because I had a boyfriend tell me you look stupid in jeans. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so terrible. Yeah, and then, like, I'm always worried that I'm dressing too young, like a teenager. And I, these are the things that I, I battle with. And you know what, like, the best advice I ever got was from my grandmother who said, you can carry off a classic look. You are very classical looking. Mm. And as long as I keep that kind of a voice in my head, and I guess I look in the mirror every day and I say, you're so beautiful, I'll be okay. And I'll work through this, like, other bullshit. 
And like, I get that inadequacy of feeling unpretty. I think that we've all been there. Mm. And when it's someone else making you feel that way, it is pretty fucking soul destroying and bullshit. So guys, I hope that has cleared it all up. Russell, how can people reach us if we get our phone stolen again? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can email us at criticalwhimsy at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter, both as Critical Whimsy. We've got a Patreon account. If you love us and want us to buy more clothes. And just more equipment for and the podcast. That will be first. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Inadequacies. But yeah, no, that's how you can reach us. Guys, we love you. We missed you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so as long as there's no dr dramatic events, you will be hearing from us in a week's time. Yeah. Until then. Hold on, before we do our quick sign-off, yes. just one thing all of our listeners must remember. They're worth it. They're good at it. They don't need to be inadequate. Russell, that's gorgeous and i love that you did that and i'm kind of like got such warm fuzzies towards Aww. you right now and we're worth it and mm -hmm. we're amazing and we're not inadequate like i'm clapping my hands in delight that was gorgeous perfect guys beautiful 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 critical whimsy listeners <sighs> until next time keep thinking critically keep being whimsical <laughs> cheers